All right, this morning, I'm going to read from the scriptures. We're going to speak by God's grace, and this might take some time to uh, really get this out the way that God would have us in, in the counsel of his love for us uh, through his grace, to really to establish our hearts, because obviously it's a good thing in Hebrews 13, verse 9, for our hearts to be established by grace. It's the only way that we can be established, be stable, is, is according to God's grace. So we're going to speak about power uh, this morning, and I also believe we're going, to, we're going to continue on this for a while because just the fullness and the beauty and the reality of it and that that opposes that power, that that opposes it. And we're going to see where this began. We're going to see exactly where the opposition to the power that only God is. Remember, only God has power. Only God has power. So we're going to see where this opposition began and see how it flowed and still how it flows even to this present day, the, the time where he is gathering the church unto himself through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. But here it began in Genesis, the third chapter. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any, any creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, and we know while wow, this, it's the enemy speaking through this gorgeous serpent. Many believe that Originally, this stood upright and was an absolutely gorgeous. Of all the creatures, all the created animals on the face of the earth, this was the, this was the one he chose because it was the one that he could use in terms of beauty to distract. And so he said unto the woman, through the serpent, Yea, has God said, yes, God has said, you will not eat any of the trees. Of the garden, he, put, he, he puts a question. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, uh, the trees of the garden, but of the tr fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you will not eat it. She's referring to Genesis 2 and verse 17 here. You will not eat of it, you won't partake of it. Now, and then she began to add, and she said, neither will you touch it lest you die. Verse 4, and the serpent said unto the woman this, you will not surely die. You will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened and you will be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman, woman saw that the tree was good for food, who told her that? It was good for food and that it was what? Pleasant. That it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. Here we are with, with role reversal. And he did eat. And we have to remember, originally in God's creation, man was not taken out of woman. Woman was taken out of man. And so then, 
It says, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, then we're going to go all the way forward here. We're going to go all the way forward. And we need to keep in mind, ultimately, mankind, mankind, when, again, in its finality, in its first creation, the Trinity looked upon man and said to, to one another in their oneness, they said that the whole thought of man, his whole plan, his desire, every single thing about him is only evil continually. It will not stop. Notice, the evil will not stop. So it, ha- so it has to be dealt with. And again, it was, it was stated again in Genesis 8 and verse 21. Why? Because this evil, this evil, would always be in opposition to God who only has power. He only has, he's the only one that has power. Let's go all the way forward to Isaiah the 40th chapter. I'm going to read those verses. We're going to go all the way to the 40th chapter. We're still in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. That old thing that witnesses God. Testament. This word that witnesses the power of God, and that that is in opposition to it. Isaiah 40, verse 18 says this, To whom, then, will you liken unto God? Who will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? The workman melts a graven image, because this is what's in his mind. And the goldsmith spreads it over with gold and casts silver chains He that is so impoverished, notice that, so impoverished, so absolutely poor and bankrupt, that he has no oblation, chooses a tree that will rot. He seeks unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that will not be moved. Well, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the very beginning, going all the way back to Genesis, from the very, very, very beginning, we see the beginnings of man and what happened through a lack of submission. Remember that man, Adam, was created in innocence, but he was created created in what? In weakness. He had a free will, but what was he apart from submitting and obeying to God? He was weak. He was without power. Something that, that even us today, when we function in the flesh that's in us in Romans 8, 9, that we're not of, because everything that we are of has to do with the power of God through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when I'm not, when I'm not, what is that? What is it? He says, have you not known, have you not heard, has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? What's that? What, what created that? This is the very power of God. Haven't, you, haven't we understood that? Notice that. That's his creation. Look at Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 31, and watch the whole creative six days and what was created the sun, the moon, the stars, 
the earth itself recreated, starting in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, because the original something happened in the angelic conflict between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, because when God creates, he doesn't create anything chaotic. That that's absolutely adverse and an opponent to his order, because God does all things, what? Honestly, sincerely, openly, decently, and in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, in order. Otherwise, chaos has to do with 1 Corinthians 14, 33, with confusion. We confuse. So, verse 22. It is he that sits upon the circle of the earth. You know, mankind finally give credit to a certain individual, Columbus, who sailed in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. He actually proved that the earth was round because men back then, <laughs> through philosophy, through lies, through thinking apart from God, apart from the word, that they would fall off. <laughs> but yet here it is. It is he that sits upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as what? As grasshoppers that stretched, that stretched out the heavens as a curtain. It's going all the way back to Genesis, the first chapter. Right from the beginning, power was being revealed. It's, good. it's revealed again in Psalm 19, 1 through 6. His power, his creative power, creating all things, framing them by the word, which is Christ in Hebrews 11 and verse 3, because we know that based upon John chapter 1 and verse 3 and Colossians 1 and verse 16, that it was the Son of God, the Son of God himself, who created everything, and everything was created, listen, by him, look, and for him, as God's literal power, creative power. That stretched out the heavens as a curtain, and spread them out as a tent to dwell in that brings the princes to nothing. They don't have any power. To bring, that brings the princes to nothing, and it's his power that does that. And he makes the judges of the earth as what? Vanity. Lighter than nothing. Verse 24, Yea, they will not be planted. Yea, they will not be sown. Yet their stock, all their false images, all that will not take root in the earth. And he also, he will also blow upon them and they will wither. <laughs> Unbelievable. And the whirlwind will take them away as stubble. Now, to whom will you liken me, says God? Who is like me? Or who, listen to this, or who will I be equal? Do you remember the lie? What he told them in Genesis 3 and verse 5? You don't need God. You don't need him. You can be one yourself. You can be one. Do you remember what the five eye wills of Satan in Isaiah 14, 9 to 17, his five eye wills? He, what was it? The whole thing was, I will be like, I will be equal to the Most High. I will have power apart from Him. Interesting. 
To whom then will you liken me, or whom will I be equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who has created these things? Who created them? He calls them all by names, by the greatness of his might. Well, we've stated this before as God's revealed to us through uh, through many men that have studied and given us this information, that there was a time when, in our galaxy, it was thought to be th- uh, 360 million stars. Now, remember, a star is a sun. Our sun is a dwarf star. They have discovered now, with technology, because in Daniel 12 and verse 4, knowledge has increased, that there are some stars, some suns, a thousand times bigger than our dwarf star, our sun. They counted approximately 360 million stars in our galaxy. Now, he's calling them all by name. He knows because he created them, his power. Now, then as knowledge began to increase, again in Daniel 12 and verse 4, they realized that, oh, wait a minute now. Oh, we discovered that so far now there are over 360 million galaxies. And if in one galaxy, in one part of the universe, there were 360 million stars, oh my. He called them all by name, power, power, not only creating them, not only sustaining them, and in Hebrews 1, 3, through his son who created it, holding them all together with, with incredible power, with amazing power. He says, he calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might, his strength, his strength, notice, for that he is strong in power. Not one fails. <laughs> Not one fails. So why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord? Why do you say that? What is it then that you can't trust me for? What is it then in your life that is not equal to my power? What is it? Well, why do you speak? Why do you say that my way is hid from the Lord? And My judgment is passed over from my God when before you were even created. Jeremiah, before you were even created, I knew you in Jeremiah 1.5 and I separated you from the womb. Furthermore, in Psalm 139, 13-17, I was there with you with power forming you in your mother's womb. Of course, in the most unbelievable way that would be certainly talking about his son in the most unique way when you study those verses in the original and even just in the English with the preponderance of the scriptures you know we have more than enough we do we have more than enough and that the enemy will even give certain individuals to take them away from the simple understanding of their English Bibles and the preponderance of those scriptures through preaching and teaching. He will raise up others to give them so, so many Greek words that can be taken out of context and make the one that's giving them these things to be something. When, of course, it is. It's, it's very important to know proper, proper 
the original words like the Koine Greek, the Aramaic, and the Hebrew, yes, yes, in its proper place, in the proper place. And today, obviously, for us, for all of our protection, every single one of us, that's the local assembly. Why do you say then that something in your life is hidden from God? That his power is not the equal to? That somehow he passed over you, he missed a certain thing that you were in and going through. His power somehow went, his omniscience. Proverbs 5, verse 21, 15, verse 3, Jeremiah 23, verse 24. His omniscience, he knows all things in 1 John 3, 20. He's known them from his eternal perspective long before time ever existed. He knows us and his plan. He knows his thoughts towards us. They're powerful in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. And all those thoughts that he has towards you and I have to do with the power of who he is. Thing we struggle so much for, even as the most well-educated and taught, is we don't want to be weak. When God created us weak, to manifest in that weakness his power to make that weakness one with him. It's, it's incredible. Well, verse 28, have you not known? I mean, all of this truth already, have you not known this? Have you not ever been taught? Have you not heard that the eternal God who had no beginning and will have no end and knows all things as long as he's ever been, declaring the end from the beginning in Isaiah 46 and verse 10, declaring his works, notice, his works which have to do with his power alone. He knew from the beginning in Acts 15 and verse 18. The creator of the ends of the earth, guess what? He faints not. He's not weak. We are, he's not weak. He never changes in who he is, in power, never. He faints not, neither is weary. And oh, by the way, neither is there no searching of his understanding. You read that in Isaac, you can read that in Romans 11 and verse 33. That's the New Testament commentary to this verse here in Isaiah 40 and in verse 28. Now, look what it says in verse 29. He gives power because he's the only source of it. He gives power to who? To the faint, to the weak. And to them that have no might, no might, he increases strength. And of course, you know, that has to do with grace. The only way that his power can meet me in my weakness is flowing through his grace. That is tremendous wisdom. And wisdom is never separated from the love and justice of God, a holy God. So we see this very clear, that, that he increases strength. He increases it. Now, that's what it says. That's what the Holy Spirit was teaching the Apostle Paul as he taught others, but still teaching him. That in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, when I am weak, I am strong. Think of the power of God that he has to weaken the will from self-consciousness, self-occupation, and self-preservation. There's power involved in that. 
It's his power. It is his love and his wisdom flowing through grace. Because, again, as we've been taught, no unfallen angel, there was never any desert or merit on them. It was totally of God's will to create. Because you cannot separate God's will from God's power. We're going to see how important that is in the, in the days to come. Because there's no way we could ever get this in, in one, one little period of time here. But thank God, as Mike prayed, boy, I'm so thankful to be here. And I also want to make this clear. I'm thankful to be here with everyone that's here and everyone that's listening and everyone that will listen. I am thankful to be here with you because you and I are precious in his sight in Christ. Even the youths will faint and be weary. And the young men will utterly fall. Thank God that for us in Christ, in Deuteronomy 33 and verse 27, when the enemy has convinced us through his lies, being in Christ, through his lies, that we've fell all the way to the bottom and it's unreachable by God. Yet Deuteronomy 33 and verse 27 says, underneath are his eternal arms of love that hold us up. Meaning, when we think, through the lie of the enemy that we've reached the bottom and it's over, he's underneath the bottom. <laughs> so that we never fall. We never fall because in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love, power, God's power and God's will never fails. It never fades in turn. His power is the same. He had to teach the Apostle Paul like he's teaching us. Once that we are in Christ... We see, obviously, in, in John 3 and verse 27, can a man receive anything except it come from heaven? Power. And that's why in 1 Peter 1, 5, we are kept by the power of God. And that power in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24, that power is Christ. The power of God and the wisdom of God. The same one that created all of that has created you and I new in him. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, all things are all, they're not in the process of passing away. Like I have to do something to make myself to be accepted. When in Ephesians 1, 6, I'm already accepted in the beloved. And in Ephesians 1 and verse 1, when it says the faithful in Christ, that's not even talking about conduct. That's talking about our character. You're considered to be faithful because you're in Christ. Now, we may fail in our experience, but never in our position. Our position never fails because it's God's power that placed us there through Christ. That's why for a proper experience we need, in growth and grace in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, we need to constantly submit our will. We need to constantly be dependent. And I wouldn't miss this word this morning for all the tea in China. And please put this up as, as quickly as possible as God gives the grace to do so because it's extremely necessary, this counsel for all of us. And for those that are here 
and couldn't be, but wanted to be. And even for those, you know, I think it's interesting in Psalm 68 and verse 18, it says, he led captivity captive. Now, this is a fulfillment of Ephesians 4 and verse 8. He led captivity captive. Really, what it's saying, he led a whole train of those that were once captive by Satan in 2 Timothy 2 and, and verse 26. Once we were received, he led us a whole train of captives, captive by his love. <laughs> love has captured us. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's God's will. Love is in God's will. His power is in his will. He laid a whole train captive. And then it says he gave gifts unto men, and those men were the gifts themselves that are attached to Christ and functioning in Ephesians 4.11. But it says that in Psalm 68, verse 18, and also to the rebellious. <laughs> that was for Israel. But is that how God views us now that we're in Christ? That's why it's not there in Ephesians 4 and verse 8. Why? Because it was still there in Psalm 68 and verse 18. Because he sees us in the character that we are in Christ in 1 John 1 verse 7. He sees us that way. And his power that placed us there positionally and accepted in the beloved is that same power when I submit to his will. That power comes in right in the midst of my weakness. And let the weak say... In that place, entreatable, submitted will, I am, what? Strong in Joel 3.10 and 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. But only the weak can say that. He only gives power to the faint, to the weary, to those that have come to the end of themselves, even trying to understand the word of God. Going here, going there, everywhere else, other than what God has founded in terms of how he would do in a place where only he would do it. They will, the youths will faint and be weary. The young men will utterly fall, but separated from all that, they that wait upon the Lord, they, they that wait, oh, is anything too hard for God? And Genesis 18, 14 is anything. Don't let the enemy convince you. Don't let him convince you. Do you remember when Daniel prayed again in Daniel chapter 10, 1 to 13? He prayed. He prayed. He deeply desired the answer. But it was 21 days. But as soon as he prayed, the Lord heard. But there was spiritual warfare brought in to cause and what he tried to do with Daniel, what he tries to do with us, to cause us to do something on our own and not wait. And if we do it and it's on our own and we're weak and we don't have strength, then what do we function in if it's not truth, it's a lie, if it's not good, that only God is in Exodus 34 and verse 6, then it is what? Evil. It's evil. But they that wait, trust, wait, Trust the Lord will what? Will change their strength. What does that mean? This is what it means. The enemy convinces and tried to convince Adam and Eve that they could have strength and power apart from their creator who only has power. So that he, in Ephesians 4 and verse 27, could have a place in them. Could have a place. 
Oh boy, what a place. They that wait upon the Lord, they will change their strength because in Psalm 102 and verse 23, he weakens our strength (laughs) and he shortens our days in the way of us thinking we can do a single thing without him in John 15, 1 through 5. They that wait upon the Lord will, will change their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. Remember what he told Israel? He delivered them in Exodus 19 and verse 4. I, through my own power, while you were there in weakness and in weakness without power and strength, were serving Pharaoh in Egypt. You were serving Satan in the world system. And you were held in bondage. But I took you out. With the power of the eagle, the eagle can fly higher than any bird. The eagle can look directly, directly right into the sun and not flinch. Powerful in this type. They'll renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. And boy, this speaks of a dependent prayer life. Waiting on him. When he tells us to wait, he's waiting with us. And teaching us the patience of his love and the power. Because we're going to see it takes more power to do something. They that wait upon the Lord, they'll change their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run quickly. Obedience. Quick obedience through power. Give you power to run and not be weary. Read Psalm 121. He doesn't slumber. He that keeps Israel, he he doesn't slumber or sleep. He doesn't miss a thing. They will run and not be weary. And listen, they will walk and not faint. And let me tell you something. That takes more power than the other two. They, what? To walk and not faint. That's the everyday life. The everyday details of life where God is teaching us through his son, without his son, who is the fullness of his power. Notice in Colossians 2 and verse 9, he was filled up with all that God is. Power. Power. Mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, and they will walk and not faint. It's a marathon. It's growing in grace and knowledge in 2 Peter 3. In verse 18, and no wonder it says in chapter 41, verse 1 of Isaiah, keep silence before me. If I don't have the word and I don't know it, I can still be entreatable and wait. If I don't have wisdom, what's best is not to do anything but to wait. That that in itself is the power of God's grace. That is his power manifested. His creative power. He spoke worlds and galaxies into existence. From bara, not jatsar, recreating from already existing materials. No, original creation was bara, something created out of nothing other than God's power himself. What makes us think for one second? That we as his creatures, created in Christ, 
in Ephesians 2.10, can do a thing without him in John 15, 1-5. That's the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy, and you wouldn't believe how this comes out. We'll get into it. We'll get into it in, in a very, 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 very deep way as we trust God for this. There's so many words for power, but I want to focus this morning on a series of Greek words which are extremely necessary because that was the language that God the Holy Spirit chose to record through those amanuenses, meaning they were just the paper boys. They got the information from the editor, God's power. They attributed the power was attributed to nothing of themselves, although it was theirs to function in. So we have this word, and this word is dynamai. Dynamahi literally means to be able. It's a series of Greek words. Dynatos means to be able. Dynatao means to be able. Okay, and here is ah, the negative to dinatos, unable. <laughs> ah, dinateo means to be unable, but dynamis, this is a key word in all of this, dynamis means ability and power. Dynastus means one who is a ruler. Dynamuo means to give power. Also in Dina, N E N, in Dinamuo, to give power. They all have this sense. It is the basic or foundational sense of ability or capability. So Dinamai means to be able. That's in a general sense. To be able with reference to the attitude that makes one able. Meaning, of course, again, in Ezekiel 18 and verse 33 and 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, God has no delight in the wicked when they perish. And he's not willing that any should perish. That is his, the power of his love and authority. That's his attitude. Unchangeable. He doesn't will evil in anyone. Furthermore, there isn't any evil and he never tempts anybody with evil like the enemy did. And like he still does. Because all that is, all the evil is, is an accusation and a slander of the power of God's love that he is. And it has to do with his will. Of course, and we know Christ, being that power, is the only one who fulfilled the complete will of God in John 4, verse 34, and not only things to do with us on earth and us, but a whole angelic conflict. And you can see that all the way through the synoptics. How the enemy was raising up, and it started way back in Exodus 1 and verse 16. Moses, who was a type of that babe. Huh? There's going to be a deliverer. Why? Well, because we know it's a Genesis 3 and verse 15. We've heard it. We've heard it taught. There's going to be a deliverer. There's going to be one who has power. But to keep him from coming, they said all those children, male children, if it's a son, he told them those, uh, those maidens, the ones 
that would help those nurses, that would help those that were born. They said in Exodus 1 and verse 16, if it be your son, kill it. And then Pharaoh said it. Kill them all in Exodus the second chapter. And then Herod said it in Matthew the first chapter at the very end. And then the second chapter, same thing. Kill them. Kill them. We don't want that power. We can do it ourselves. Kill him. Kill him. He's the manifestation of the power of God's love, the fulfillment of God's will. He's the one that God has brought to us to tell us that we're weak and we can't do anything without him, but we'll show him. We'll do it. In Exodus 19 and verse 8, Exodus 24 and verse 3, they said to God, you tell us what to do and we'll do it. Why? Because they thought they had power apart from him. That's what they thought. They actually thought that. Now, again, to be able with this power, with these Greek words that we're talking about, has to do with will. You cannot separate God's power from God's will. They're inseparable. Because <laughs> God only does according to who he is in his will. <laughs> That's it. That's why we need to constantly submit our will. That's what prayer constantly teaches us. In Acts 6.4, it's constantly teaching us prayer. And because if we don't, and if we're weak, and we don't submit ourselves in dependence, and that's what prayer is teaching, he can't even minister the word properly. We'll do it in the flesh, even as those that are in Christ. We won't need God's order. We won't need God's way. We'll do it another way. And Satan will raise up all these seminaries. And they're all different. They're all, and it's very confusing. Confusing. But God's order is not. The order is Christ, and that order, in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, and that order, by the time we get to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and Ephesians, the 4th chapter, is the local assembly for us now. That's where the power he manifested. To individually, we have it positionally. How does it enter into the experience apart from the local assembly? So it means to will. Listen, it means to be equivalent to. Who's equivalent to God? Who's equal to God? Any of his creation? No. But boy, receive it. And boy, when you do, Amos 3.3, can two walk together except they be agreed? Can one who has all power walk with one who's weak and refuses it? There is no walk. That's why we have, we're kept by the power of, of God in 1 Peter 1 and verse 5. And of course, that power again in 1 Corinthians 1, 24 is Christ. The power of God and wisdom. Go back to Proverbs, the 8th chapter. Start in the 20s and go right down to verse 36. It's talking about the Son in his pre-incarnate state, bringing us to John, the first chapter, verses 1 and 2 before time ever was. There was a powerful love exchange between the Father and the Son with the power of the Holy Spirit proceeding from both. It means to count as. To count as. So dinatos 
means one who has ability or power. One who is powerful. Dinateo means to have great ability. Remember now, adonatos, the negative prefix to dinatos, means one who has no ability or strength. Has none. But dynamis, this word dynamis, that's the most important word in this whole group where they all other derive themselves from. It means ability. And then there is the possibility of power. <laughs> There's the possibility of power through a submission of will. Power, both physical, but what? Even more so, spiritual. So that word dynastis means literally one who can do something. One who God has given the power. But who does he give power to? To the weak. And what's the one thing we always fight? What's the one thing? We don't want to be weak. What is that? The lie that says that somehow, when we go back to it in our growth constantly, that we can do something without God. The moment I forget him, the moment the power stops experientially, not positionally, but experientially. And so then, again, dynamis, that's what it means, power. Both physical and spiritual. Power, God ruling and reigning over us in the midst of weakness. That's why when I am weak, and I'm brought to that place, and weak means self-helplessness and self-hopelessness, that's who he gives the power to. He certainly will not. Because pride in Proverbs 16, 18, which caused the enemy to get the boot from heaven in Ezekiel 28 and verse 15 right to the end, his five I wills in Isaiah 14, 9 to 17, were answered by God's five I wills in Ezekiel 28, 15 through to the end of the chapter. Dynamuo, and that same word in dynamuo, both means to give power, to make strong, to strengthen. You want to know where all these lies outside of God's power, Christ himself, is there any power, true power, true ability? Does anything make sense to us apart from the power that Christ is. Nothing makes any sense. It's nonsense. And it's based upon a lie. It's based upon a lie. Like God can't keep us. Like he's not in control. The lie convincing you, you have power. You... Oh, the place that he comes in Ephesians 4, 27, that little tiny place is the little area that I forget God. Now, God never forgets us. And he'll use the enemy in his constraint because everything that the enemy was doing against Job, Satan was on a choke chain by God. You read it. He could only do what God allowed because that had to do with what? God's power. 
And what the enemy means for evil, in Genesis 50 and verse 20, God means for what? Good. And what is good? The power and authority and will of God in his amazing love relationship of his son that his son came out and put on in humanity. He tabernacled among us. That's how much God loves you and I. That's how much the enemy hates us. He put on that humanity in John 1 and verse 14. We had this whole system. So we have this whole system of so-called philosophy. You know that word that means the love of the truth? (laughs) Philosophy? Affection, love of the truth? You watch that whole system. Remember in Genesis 6, 5 and 8, 21, the whole thought of man under the influence and lie of the enemy opposes God and in the truth that, in the lie, I should say, that that person submits to, the enemy will use and keep them in bondage through a lie to keep them opposing themselves. 2 Timothy 2 verse 25, because God is for them. He's not willing that any perish again. God is for us, especially for us in Christ. We're the immovable ones. In Romans 8, 31, God for us, who can be against us now? God for us, all power, who is going to be against us? Submit to a lie. Submit to a lie. So he convinces you, end it. Then where do you, if you're in Christ, where do you go? Where are you immediately? In his presence. You see that? He just wants to cut you short. He wants to rob God of his glory while you're on earth as a vessel of that glory. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Christ in you, the treasure. And to cause you not to have that experience with him. And then to be used by him for others. To lose yourself in the humility, humility, losing yourself in the presence of a love that will never leave you nor let you go. Hashak, the Hebrew word, hashak, a love that will never let you go. John 6, 37 and 39. John 10, 28 and 29. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 14. Whatsoever God does, he does forever. You are forever in the arms of his precious son. And he said to the Pharisees in John 10 and verse 30, I and the Father are what? One. With the Holy Spirit proceeding. That's powerful. That's some power. I will never leave you. No, never, ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5. That's power. Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, your yesterday. Powerful today. Powerful for all eternity. Powerful. 13, 8 of Hebrews. He doesn't change. Malachi 3, 6. I'm the Lord your God. I don't change. So don't give yourself... Don't meddle with them that are given to to change. Don't don't exchange the truth for a lie. Don't exchange the power of Christ to function in your weakness and allow the enemy to abuse you. To to abuse you. Can't keep you from going to heaven. You're untouchable in 1 John 5.18. You're untouchable because you're in Christ. Uh, boy, he will do everything he can. Can't change the position. He'll go after the experience so much so that what's the sense, right? Well, the sense is we have power. That's why we need to wait. 
just came all the way, all the way forward, all this evil, all every cult, every so-called philosophy, all of it had to do with the original lie. In Genesis 3, verse 5, you don't need God, you can be as God's. You can be his equal. You don't need him. Be your equal. You can be his equal. Yet by denying him. You know, that's when Paul, he came, when Paul the apostle, and of course, remember the whole time, he's thinking he's doing God's service by killing the body of Christ. Read it in Acts the 8th chapter, the ninth chapter, breathing out threatenings and slaughter, holding the coats of them. In Acts the 8th chapter, 56 and 57, those verses, he was holding the coats and approving of those while the first Christian martyr, Stephen, was being stoned. And all it brought out of him was God's love for even those that were doing it. Then he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter, thinking in John 16 and verse 2 that he was doing God's service in legalism, you know, taking the word that's grace and forgetting God and making yourself the theologian and scholar. Now you make demands on those that are Christ alone. Oh, you want to think of the insanity and the evil of that. And yes, behavior that's not equal to our character must be separated in Hebrews 4.12. Always. Always that must happen. But to think that we are God's judge and we are God's supreme authority is a lie against the truth that Christ is because in John 14, 6, he's the way, the only way. He's the truth, the only truth. He's the life and the only life. So Paul, by the time we get all the way to Acts, and look at this, by the time we get to Acts, the seventh chapter, you look at them, you look at them, there they are. They're on Mars Hill. The Arab Arapagites. Get into that word at, at, at a certain time, into the definition of it and what it really means. Basically, they were philosophers. They were all functioning in a lie that was against the truth. And this, is, this was the lie. They were known here, <clears throat> and you will see it, you will see it there in Acts 17 and verse 18. It says that then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, Paul. And some said, what will this babbler, <laughs> this base fellow, who's not the equal to what we know, what will this babbler say? Something else? He seems to be a set of forth of strange gods. Different than the gods that we have, that we are. <laughs> because he preaches unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to Aragopagus, Aragopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine thereof that you speak? We want to know. We want to hear about this. For you bring certain strange things. That's strange. Just like strange things today to Christians. That God loves you deeply, intimately, loves you deeply, intimately, and desires you, loves you. 
You mean everything to him. Gave his son to you. That's how much he loves you. That's strange to hear that. I was told I had to do certain things. I was told that maybe I was born again, but I still don't measure up to that. Well, who can be equal with him? <laughs> who could be? We want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians in Athens and Greece and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else. 1 Corinthians 13, if I have not love, if I don't have intimacy with him through the power of his love, I will function in a spirit of fear. But God has not given us in Christ a spirit of fear in 2 Timothy 1.7. Listen, but of power. Listen, we're going to get into this. Listen, here's the creative acts of God. He's created everything in Genesis 1, 1 through 31. He rested in Genesis 2, 1 and 3. He rests one and one and two. He rests. Here's all of his creation. And that creation is his signature teaching even those that don't hear the gospel. In Psalm 19, one through six, the law, the word, bringing out all the way through so that they no longer, we no longer, will live in presumption to presume that we can be a God and that we can have power apart from him when we're completely weak. Because even that, that God's created, did you know that he not only framed it, Christ in his pre-incarnate state in Hebrews 11.3, he holds it together in Hebrews 1.3. Just think of it. Well, they were, they were called these Stoics. What is a Stoic? It's the, and what did they teach? A system, notice that, listen to this, a system a system, and that system of the world under Satan can infiltrate the church. And it did in 1 John 2, 18 and 19. It already started to enter into the church, early first century, mixing the world with the church. Philosophy, do's and don'ts. Very early, very, very, very early, these lies, this love of the truth, <laughs> But that philosophy that Paul, that's being brought out here, was even started around approximately, as best as we can see and as best as my studies, by the pure grace of God has brought me, was around 300 B.C., 300 years before Christ. And it held principles of logical thought, <laughs> like we had any logic apart from power. Logical thought to reflect, listen to this, a cosmic reason instantiated in nature. What does this mean? Who is the God of this cosmic system? In John 12, 31 and 14, 30. Who's the prince and power of the air right now for a time in Ephesians 2, 2? Yes. Oh, yes. We're going to see, we're going to see this, these truths, these truths. Because if it's not God, it's going to be something about the nature that we're going to worship. Oh, we live in an area where it's rife. New age, nature, we're going to do something. Hmm, yes, yeah. Logical thought to reflect a cosmic reason. Yeah, under the prince and power of the air, that kind of thinking. 
to reflect that. It's conduct, behavior, conforming to the <laughs> precepts of the Stoics. And it's a repression, listen to this one, it's a repression of emo emotions. I was brought up as a man, men don't cry. Yeah, Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. 35. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet in Jeremiah 9, verse 1. Paul wept, space of three years in Acts 20, 19 and 31. Men don't weep. They're too strong. They have power in themselves not to do it. And by the way, also, you're not to have, you're not to have, but through a lie, to have pleasure. Yeah, right. Really. To have pleasure, or you're to ignore pain. Be a man and power to deal with it. When God will use that pain to bring us in, in, in love, to bring us to the point of self-helplessness and self-hopelessness. Listen, you want to know why you got pain? That's the reason. I'm going to tell you that straight out. Because you and I may think, you and I may think we know why there's pain. But it's far more delivering us from that. That we haven't even got to yet. We haven't even got to. This was the Stoics. The Stoics. We're going to get into that word too. And the Stoics, these Stoics, in Acts the 17th chapter and verses 18 to 34, where Paul was going and preaching Christ and the resurrection from that dead, useless, nonsensical, so-called logical philosophy, thought, that needs to be cast down. Cast down those reasonings, those false imaginations. God's not for you anymore. He's holding you accountable. You didn't do this. You should have done that. All this nonsense. You see, he loves you, he paid for you, but he's still going to deal with you after your past and make you be, and punish you for it when Christ did it all. And you're brand new in him. Brand new. Yes, but he'll give you power, yeah. Power to resist and oppose yourself. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 25. Captured by his will, Satan's will, in 2.26. That's what makes it so necessary in 2.24 of 2 Timothy to have preaching and teaching and to have it in a skillful way. And that skill can only come from Christ. It only comes from that individual that has the gift being yoked up to Christ in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30 so that it's only the life of Christ that flows in and through him. And God forbid that I should ever mix that evil flesh with the purity of who Christ is in his person and the very work that only he alone accomplished. The work is done. It's not due in Deuteronomy 4, 1 and 2. It is not do and live. It is receive and experience the power, resurrection power of a, li a love life that nothing can disturb or distract. Nothing. The Stoics referred to, referred to a self-originating. Isn't that interesting? All their philosophy. It was something that originated from themselves. You see the lie? You can be as God. You can be a self-originator. A self-originator and a self-moving force. Yeah. Only two forces, folks. One is evil, Satan, and one is good, God. And that's what underlined all their philosophy. 
But in that philosophy, they made this cosmic principle, things that they can do, the cosmos, things of the earth, that's it, is the same thing. They made it the same thing as God. It's called pantheism. We'll get into these things in the future. There's polytheism, many gods. There's pantheism. God is that creative order. God is creation. God is creation, the earth. That's why we need to save it. <laughs> you have fun about something that's never going to perish. It'll change, yes, but won't. In Ecclesiastes 1, 4, and Isaiah 45 and verse 17, and Ephesians 3 and verse 21. It'll be changed in 2 Peter 3 and verse 13. That's why when it says heaven and earth will pass away, to properly interpret that in Matthew 24 and verse 35 simply means it's going to change in its appearance. Did the earth change in the flood? In its appearance, yes. Will it? As we enter into the eternity of the eternities, baptized with fire, the purity and holiness, and get it ready for, all, for us for all eternity. Yes. That's 2 Peter 3 and verse 13, based upon Isaiah 65 and verse 17, and Isaiah 66 and verse 22. He recreates the earth, just like he did in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, when it became in its chaotic form. And as long as we function, apart from his power, we function in chaos, confusion. We do. And we're going to close it with this. But that's where you get all this nonsense. You know, all these movies and all these other things that are infiltrating Disneyland. It's more called like Disneyland. So much evil everywhere. It's out. It is full out. And it's indicative of that evil that's being out, of violence in Genesis 6, verse 11. And we know that in, that in these particular scriptures, we know that that's when the coming of the Son of Man will be and in Matthew 24 and verse 36 and 37. Same thing. We are so close. But we've got power because greater is he that's in us. In 1 Corinthians 4, uh, for, uh, in, in uh, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in us, a greater power than he that's in the world. And this is our victory that's already overcome the world, the whole world system. I wonder we shouldn't love it in 1 John 2.15 or the things. Even our faith in 1 John 5 verse 4. So we'll close. It's where you get all this Poseidon, you know, Poseidonus. It's a Greek philosophy. The cosmic principle, that's God. That is God. That's God. Even this, we're going to see this. Even in magic, even in magic, simple magic. You know what magic is based upon, right? It's deceit. It's showing something to convince people. But you really know what's going on, don't you? Even magic. Okay? Because magic, in any sense of deception, right? Because what is magic? Come on. The hand is quicker than the eye. What is magic? It's based on deception. But to do that, it seeks contact, not with deity, but with the demonic, natural, and cosmic forces that stand under deity. Don't waste your time. Don't waste it. That's why God interrupts certain things in his love in our life. When others encourage us to do so. And then God, in, in his faithfulness, will raise up someone to speak a word to you 
and wisdom. And Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, so that you'll receive grace to keep you in the strength of his love and to keep you from that. We'll get into this more in the future. We're not even beginning to touch this, but Father, thank you for the word this morning. (laughs) Power. Oh, how the power of you, Lord, is amazing. The power of God. The greatest power of God manifested is those that he who through his power, through his Christ, brings them into a depth of intimacy and fellowship. It's the height of his power. And that's you and I in the son of his love, transliterated out of this world, made us meet, qualified in in Colossians 1.12, to be partakers of this nature, having escaped the lust that are in the world in 2 Peter 1 and verse 4, and transliterated us into the son into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In Colossians 1 and 13, and Father, thank you so much in Jesus' name. We look forward to hearing more. Amen.